Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to the Football Grad Podcast. I'm your host, Manuel Weff, and we're finally back. It's been a long, long summer break, but you know, it's coming back. All the podcasts are coming back, and I'm finally back on the Football Grad Podcast. And joining me, um, as always, all the way from Siberia, um, Andrew, I feel a little bit calmer because, you know, I made fun of, of your weather all year long, and... Um, we're not getting mm-hmm. a real good summer here on the West Coast right now, so I kind of feel like I've been been hit by cold. Oh, dear me. I am so upset for you, Manu. You know, my, my heart bleeds for you as I look out onto this dazzling clear blue sky, 30-degree warmth that I'm in at the moment. I really feel for you, Manu. I do. Yeah, I bet you do. Um, <laughs> I bet you do. I, do. I bet you do. Anyhow, it is what it is. Uh, I'm I'm pretty sure it will become summer here eventually, right, Tim? Joining me as always, Tim Bogdachev. Um, yeah, we're back on the West Coast, and uh, hopefully we'll have summer very soon. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we will. Good morning, everyone. Thank you so much for uh, downloading the new episode of Football Grad. I'm very excited to be back and to discuss the beautiful Russian Premier League. Oh, maybe sometimes not so beautiful, but this is the league we like. And this is a league we discuss here on Football Grad. Yeah, it is. And it, it, it's coming back. It's um, the earliest competition of all the competitions that we cover um, that's coming back. It's, you know, obviously because of that long winter break, they need to get started a little bit earlier. Um, shall we get started with some of like short news items? I mean, most of the news items that we're going to discuss today are going to be transfers and a new trophy. Um what? Andrew, um, you got to explain this to me. Um, I, I saw that tweet today <laughs> and I'm like, what? A new trophy? Is this like a new trophy or are they going to get rid of the, the Soviet trophy? Or I, I knew there was a trophy that they used in between at some point and then they went back to the old, uh, you know, the, the, the Soviet Vishaya Liga trophy. What's going on here? Like, I didn't really need a new trophy, but I guess they did. Well, it's it's quite ridiculous. I mean, Russia does go for the rather extravagant trophies, as we know. I mean, the the Super Cup trophy is a personal favourite of mine. It just balloons outwards till I don't know how people actually balance the thing. Um, I, I haven't actually seen the tweet myself, if I'm being honest, but um, I don't really like changing trophies at all. Um, the only time it can make any sense, uh, and you probably won't like this opinion of mine, but when the Premier League started, your favourite league in the world, Manu, that you love, all the ethos behind it. Um, and that became the de facto first division in England. The old first division trophy had so much history behind it, but it had all the names like Manchester United, Liverpool, etc. engraved on it. But it, the Premier League was a completely different beast. It wasn't just 
replacing it. It was something else entirely. And we made a new Premier League trophy then. And then, okay, but I, I can't understand any logic behind it. It's, um, it's even though it won't cost a great deal, it's yet more money that doesn't need to be wasted, more time that doesn't need to be spent on, on something quite pointless, to be honest. Yeah, you don't change name of ships or trophies. That's um, my philosophy right there. Um, you know, Bundesliga would have still probably have the old trophy if the original Victoria hadn't been lost in World War Two. We'd probably still be using that. Um, it's been the the championship salad bowl ever since uh, World War Two. So yeah, that's that's my opinion on trophies. Leave them, leave them alone. Um, I'm actually gonna stay with you, Andrew. Because they're also going to, at least they're going to leave alone the uh, the league format. Um, the RPL has announced that they're not going to expand to 18 teams. Uh, probably a good thing because, you know, last couple of seasons they didn't have enough teams to fill the first two divisions anyways. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's an absolutely ridiculous concept in the first place. Um, a league that is struggling to maintain 16 top flight teams uh, and they want to extend it. What I've, what I've read today is that the, the latest discussions are going to be around keeping 16 teams but trying to squeeze extra fixtures out of it. I mean, anybody who's got half a brain cell looks at the calendar as it is anyway and the basic knowledge that Russia is very cold for a long, long time. The end of December, a lot of fixtures get called off. We had, um, uh, I think it was, um, who was it? Was it Krilia? Krilly Soviet, I've had a fixture called off against Orenburg, I think it was, in December. Um, there just isn't time to fit in another four, five, six, seven fixtures. Um, they're not saying they're not going to do it at all. The latest, what they said is it, at the earliest it will be in another three seasons' time. Um, but, I mean, it's classic Russia, isn't it, Manny? Three days before the season starts, when, in theory, there were going to be two extra places next season in the Premier League, or possibly... Only now do they confirm, actually, no, this isn't happening. Um, but, uh, yeah, it is a problem, like you mentioned. Top flight clubs struggling. Um, Tom Thompson, three seasons ago, putting out practically a youth team. Angie decimated to 11, 12 senior players at one point. Uh, and last season, it, it's a joke. Um, so they can't have 16. 18 is definitely a ridiculous idea. Yeah, I, I, Tim, they could always introduce playoffs, you know, to squeeze in some extra games, right? <laughs> Uh, well, my idea was it's not uh, increasing the number of teams, it's actually decreasing the number of teams in the league. I think that uh, Russia should really go the way the kind of Scotland is going. Maybe 10 is a little bit too little, but somewhere between 12 and 14 should be, I think, uh, ideal for Russian football. When we had this transitional football, no, sorry, transitional season, when the league was uh, divided into uh, eights, uh, the bottom and the top half uh, eights, and kind of had two little leagues, the top eight was absolutely insanely exciting because every game you had big matches and big teams facing each other. Um, the reason why the clubs want to um, extend the leagues, and actually they had a vote, and out of 16 clubs, only one team, which is my club Spartak, uh, uh, voted against. Everyone else wanted voted voted for and the reason for that why they did it because honestly adding uh two extra home games make means you more money um more uh, more tv revenue uh, even it's not as huge as in england but it's still a little bit of money so obviously clubs want it 
But to me, there's absolutely no sense in having two extra teams. Like Andrew said, we haven't, we're struggling every season with clubs finishing the season. How, why do, would you add two more? And I don't think there's enough quality to add two good teams to, to the league. And that, what that means, that will just increase the, the number of mediocre teams. That means that, uh, you know, the mediocre teams will be saved early in the season. That means there will be more opportunities for um, how in Russia they call it uh, to sell games to pretty much do some you know some some illegal games and give away points because you don't need. So to me, there's absolutely no sense. But uh, again, 15 out of 16 clubs voted for it, and I really hope, uh, like Andrew said, in 2023, uh, this is the when they might extend. I hope really this never happens because there's absolutely no. Uh, sense in doing that. Yeah, I guess if they wanted extra games, they could always go and um, do the the league format where you split it or play each other oh, three like, times, like uh, Belgium. Yeah, yeah, or like yeah, exactly like Belgium um, playoffs. I think there's lots of ways of adding in extra games without diluting the quality, teams. right? Uh, yeah, it, it it's you know honestly, I think. When you when you look at the, the the problems that you had in in Russian football the last couple of seasons with with like not enough teams um, to be found um, to play in the second division, um, although this year that didn't save Tumen quite uh, came close but it didn't. Um, sorry, Andrew, but you know it, it just shows you that there just isn't the, there isn't enough big clubs around um, to really fill the league and we'll yeah. get to we get to the actual league in a little bit but i mean we're going to have a club in the russian premier league again uh, in my opinion that is going to finish bottom of the league nowhere near being competitive um so you know this is going to be happen every year and that just shows you that there is a massive gap between the the fnl and the that the RPL and then also that there is not enough teams to actually have high quality football. So that's just my personal opinion. But you know, um, speaking of mediocre teams, um, we have a little bit of an odd transfer to start our transfers with. Alex Sutumen. Andrew. It doesn't happen a lot, but it does happen occasionally. This is like a football manager transfer gone wrong here he's joined Rubin this summer uh, he's been there for all but a few days and then he went off to Sinit uh, someone has to explain this to me because obviously this this doesn't happen a lot I love the, the, the Rubin tweet though that they did uh, thanking him for his services yeah. <laughs> it was brilliant wasn't it um, it was de complete deadpan expression if you can have such a thing within a tweet but yeah, it, it reminds me of a couple of transfers in England. One, one involving um, Didi Haman, who joined Bolton for about three days, and then he moved to Liverpool, I think it was. Um, and my favourite of all was, was Manchester United signed John Obi Mikel when he was a highly promising teenager from Norway. Uh, he posed in the Manchester United shirt, and a day later, the agreement apparently was. Not quite ratified, but half was. Chelsea bought him and paid Manchester United £16 million for basically doing nothing. Um, anyhow, yeah, so what's happened with Alexei Sutomin? He had a great season last season with Orenburg, um, seven league goals. Um, I believe he actually came through this EU system as well. Um, but anyhow, Orenburg were really, really a promising side last season. 
they've had a bit of a shocker this summer. Um, they've not signed one player and they've let 10 players uh, go, uh, so to mean one of them. So he he moved to Rubin. The deal was brokered by the sporting director at Rubin Kazan, who is good friends with Orenberg's sporting director. But um, the Orenberg sporting director, Mr. Safanov, uh, apparently didn't have the full... Uh, well, with a full knowledge of the board, and uh, when the contracts were signed, um, off sort of mean went to Kazan. He played a friendly game even for Rubin. Um, Zanit thought they were going to sign him, they were interested too, and everybody thought uh, he was going to go. But Rubin offered a little bit more money, um, rumored to be about half a million uh, euros a year, which is which is big money in Russia. Um, Anyhow, so they signed Rubin, paid about two million euros for him. He was a Rubin player, uh, and then uh, Sergei Semak basically cried to Daddy, off to Alexei Miller, and said, "Excuse me, mate, I'm not happy with this." Gazprom CEO himself steps in, and uh, Rubin were basically forced to sell Sutomin back to Zenit for exactly the same price. So they end up with no compensation at all. There was rumours that Zanit might be asked to send a player back in exchange so at least we would get something out of it. Um, but no. So Rubin end up with absolutely nothing as they were before. Zanit get their way. Um, and it's got to be one of the shortest careers ever recognised in Russian football. Um, but the, the moral of the story is um, David Sanson is, uh, is a colleague of ours and he's a big Rubin Kazan follower. He knows the journalist there. And he said the moral of the story is Zanit get what they want. And I think he's spot on there. So Sutamin is finally a Zanit player. Mm. But will he Crazy. play there? Will he play much, Tim? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's, that's, that's the question, isn't it? Um, I mean, Zanit bought uh, Elmin Nabiubin about two or three years ago and barely played a game. And it has now left the club, joined Sochi today, I believe it was, or yesterday. Yeah. It was confirmed. So, I, I, unfortunately for Sutton, I, mean, I think he'll be a squad player at best. Um, you've got to remember as well, Ali Shatov is gradually being edged back into the squad again. He's been sent out on loan in the past. Um, and um, uh, Rigoni and Driussi, the Argentinians, they're currently first-choice wingers as well. So, I don't think he'll play much, to be honest. Well, I, I don't know. It all, all depends on him, but I just want to add a little bit uh, spice to that story. Andrew was very cautious in his ways of describing the whole situation, but me as uh, not the biggest fan of Zenit on this planet, uh, we just need to remember that Zenit and, and Arenburg share the same uh, owner, which is Gazprom, and send the same sponsor. So the whole story was that uh, Sutan Min really wanted to go to Zenit because, yes, he is a product of Zenit's academy. He wanted to kind of go back, but Zenit really didn't see. They offered him not that much money from what I understand. They offered him a salary of half a million dollars, which is uh, not bad for any of us listening or participating in this podcast, but for a, a player who plays for Zenit, that's a little bit low. And then Rubin just offered a little bit more and uh, pretty much he, he went off to Rubin. And once that happened, it really was done on the highest level between the clubs and like like Andrew says, Andrew, uh, oh, sorry, Miller was involved, which is absolutely insane and uh, pretty much yeah like it, it gets it you know what happens there is you need to get what they want and again this is kind of makes sense when their former um, 
president of the club. Dukov is now the uh, the president of the league, and really like the Gazprom sponsors uh, two teams in the league. And then also now we have the connection to FC Sochi because I think three players or maybe even more players from Zenit uh, were kind of sent off, uh, went to to play for Sochi. So pretty much we have the situation then. In, yeah, now, now currently there's like a meme is going around the kind of the Russian fans because like they show like you know how every season you, they show the table when everyone is has zero games and zero points and um, situated in alpha al- alphabetical order. Uh, here you have every team has uh, zero games except Zenit who have four games and uh, they have twelve points before the start of the season and uh, FC Sochi and. FC Orenburg has two losses, meaning that you know that, that those clubs, because they have the share the sponsor, they will give out and give away those two games to Zenit. Again, obviously that's a joke, but again, based on what we've seen with Sutermin's transfer, this is exactly how things are going. So it's absolutely ridiculous, ridiculous story. People were saying, yeah, that we we don't have the slavery in, anymore in Russia for like 200 years, but that's pretty much what it was because like one of the employers told him that they want this particular and they really broke all the rules and just got, got the, what they wanted. Yeah, fans joking, not joking here. Um, exactly. Yeah, let's, let's stay with transfers here, shall we? Because um, I, I compiled a list. That there's obviously a lot more um, of, of some of the, the big transfers that we've seen and um, of course, one of them is, is Douglas Santos from Hamburg to to Zenit. Um, then you got Wilhelmer from from uh, Feyenoord to Krasnodar. Uh, not technically a new signing, but um, still a big one for me. CSKA retain Flasic, Spartak sign Ponce. Um, that's something that you, Tim, going to be quite happy about. Dinamo sign Szymanski and uh, yeah, Tampov sign uh, Konate from Erevan, African player from Erevan. Um, there, there is a joke in this. I'll, I'll get to that eventually. Um, Tim, these transfers, what is the one that sticks out to you in particular? Well, well, the, the biggest transfer was like uh, the most talked on was obviously the Sotermin transfer, which we just covered. Uh, I'm a little bit curious to hear your opinion on Douglas Santos to Zenit because I have no idea who this player is and he's from Hamburg, so you probably know him. But um, there's there's not too many. Actually, I'm looking on the list right now, which we have. There's not too many transfers which I'm excited or um, interested about. All those players, uh, in some sense, are uh, developing players and um, younger players, the players who see Russia as a step-up league to go to a bigger, uh, better things, which is fair enough, and I, I think that's a very fair approach uh, to RPL. Uh, so that's kind of the general sense. Uh, you're absolutely right. I think it's for Tsekai retaining Vlasic for, I believe, something insane for Russian League, like $15 million, something like, something cool, like it's above 10. So it's it's very, very expensive. Um, but at the same time, he was the leader of the team and he is the key player in the CSKA's attack. Um, they, he, he Even he is fairly young. He seems like he is one of the most experienced players, given that Zagoyev is permanently injured. He is the, the key player in CSKA's attack. So I understand why they spent, why they spent money. Um, the, the the other players, yeah, we don't really see any big names anymore. Um, we don't have any Hulks or Witzels coming in uh, to play in Russia. But, um, you know, that's kind of where the league is right now. It's developing step-up league. And 
a, a few players, I'm sure, like we always do, will leave to top five leagues and will become um, players which people know and will know from Russia. So we'll see. Yeah, I think that that Douglas Santos to uh, Sanit is quite interesting. Um, you know, he was part of that 2016 Olympic gold medal winning team for Brazil and um, was signed with a lot of promise to um, to come into Hamburg and, um, you know, didn't, it didn't quite work out for him or Hamburg in a, in a lot of ways because, you know, Hamburg has been a team that's been struggling for a long, long time, um, finally got relegated the season before last. And then uh, failed to get promoted last season, which in in most traumatic fashion, you know, and of course they were the last German Bundesliga side to ever be relegated, the last founding member of the Bundesliga to ever be relegated, and um, not going to be back next year either. And um, although Hamburg weren't great in Bundesliga 2 last year, Douglas Santos actually was, I think he really benefited from taking a step back into a lower division and playing in Bundesliga 2, which is probably level-wise about the same strength as the uh, Russian Premier League. It's it's a very good league. And, um, you know, was was one of the best players in that competition. So for him to go to Sinead, play Champions League, right? That's the thing that Brazilians want to do. They want to play Champions League because, you know, even though this was an expensive transfer, I think that um, in the medium term, playing in the Champions League, that's a good opportunity for, for players to um, to showcase themselves. So... Um, it's an interesting transfer. I also thought Wilhelmna to Krasnodar from Feyenoord, you know, another passing player. Um, Andrew, I know Victor Klesen is injured for the long term. That's a huge blow because he may have been the best player in Russia last year, right? So they needed to do something. I'm not saying Wilhelmna, and I pointed this out in the article I did on footballgrad.com, um, is a one-to-one replacement. But Krasnodar will be a team that will have to be busy because they, they're missing a key player. Yeah, it, that's that's a very, very good point. Um, a lot of focus over the sum for Krasadar for me was was around uh, Mauricio Pereira and Charles Cabaret leaving. But now, like you mentioned, with Victor Klassen being out, I believe it's likely to be till at least October, possibly even longer. Also, um, Gazinski. Yeah, and Gazinski's shoulder he, injury as well. He's out, exactly. out till, the, till the end of the year. I mean, you know, there straight away, you've got four... I would say arguably four of their best performing players last season. Um, at least Wanderson is still fit on one wing. Um, I'm always wondering whether this is going to suggest a bit of a shift in in formation for Kras that I don't know. Perhaps Shapi Suleimanov will have to step up more because um, as we know, he spent most of his time coming off the bench. Um, but Vilena, I, I haven't seen him play. I know he's a Dutch international, but um, he's very highly rated at least. So, the one thing I'd say is Krasnodar's scouting has been uh, almost unrivaled. And not just their scouting, but their ruthlessness at letting players move on and planning ahead and replacing them very quickly. Um, I think Ruslan Kambalov is a very, very good signing for them because he's cheap, he's versatile, he's experienced, and and he can at least temporarily, if not slightly longer term, fill in for the defensive role from Cabaret. Um but yeah, Cross and I once again are looking extremely good condition. Um, you know, they cut Christian Quaver off their wage bill. It's a marginally expensive mistake, but at least they've moved them on. Um, I think uh, your prediction from last season, I'm sure we'll come on to predictions later, but 
your prediction from last season, Manu, might be just a slightly bit closer to being uh, coming true this season, but mm. um, anyway, we'll, we'll come to predictions later. Can, can I play devil's yeah. advocate on this one, please? Yeah, go for it. I'm actually wanted because I, I don't know what Manu's prediction will be, but I want to give a different vision of this uh, of this um, Krasnodar story because um, I think that it will be a tough season for for Krasnodar mainly because of those four four injuries because Krasnodar is um, one of the teams uh, which plays the possession and attacking football at any time and this is their philosophy and I think the uh, the key players the three players in the middle are in charge of. Uh, connecting really the defense for the attack and having the having the ball and creating the the um, you know the chances. So having four players who really were in charge of doing that last season and building uh, completely new a new mid- midfield uh, this season will be tough. Um, we haven't mentioned, but there was the match premier um, tournament like like the last preseason, which included Krasnodar, Spartak, um, CSKA, and Rostov. And uh, Krasnodar actually won this tournament, and I watched them play against Spartak, and I watched another game playing the Rostov. And um, I think that they, it will be tough for them because they're building uh, absolutely new uh, midfield right now with three absolutely new players. Plus, they will have hopefully Champions League or at least Europa League. So I think uh, they still will be a strength, but I think it will be a um, tough season, especially at the beginning of the season then, when they will be distracted by Champions League football. Uh, by by the qualifiers and then the um, the um, how do you call it the uh, the the brand new the brand new uh, players in the system and it I, it's very very important for Krasnodar it's not like replacing a left back or a right back those players will be actually in charge of building the game and those players are new to Russian league and uh, new to Krasnodar and I think they will have some challenges that's how I see that. I, I agree with all of that. Um, the, the thing maybe we have to also like maybe point out that they also signed Caio, right, from uh, Santa Clara, uh, from Portugal, um, a defensive midfielder, and Yunus Namli from uh, PSC Zwolle uh, from the Netherlands, a Danish-Moroccan player. Um, so they did bring in some strength from midfield. And then they also getting back Andre Ivan, who was on loan from, to Rapid Vienna. I had a really good European uh, U21 championship from Romania, Romania of one really impressed at that tournament right so i think there is some players coming in but you have to kind of mix them together and make it all work um which is always always tough um it's always a difficult one um boys moving on here to a bit of transfer speculation um and it's actually great that we get to talk about locomotive um next because i think this is where this particular player might end up andre schürle it's been heavily linked with a move to Moscow. Um, this is something that was picked up not just by media in Russia, but also media in Germany a while ago. He's <laughs> stating a Kazakh model, and apparently she has family in Moscow. So this already, in my opinion, kind of eliminates Zenit. So I want to just do a little bit of speculation, and uh, considering he's a former world champion, although um, a little bit of that Benedict Herbert is kind of level, right, Andrew, you, you buddy? <laughs> oh, uh, my friend, I love a bit of this. Yeah, so um, I'm putting one and one together and I'm getting local. Um, curious yeah. curious to hear any different opinions on this, but I, I personally think that's where he might end up. Uh, you know, most <laughs> capital club, Champions League, 
uh, doesn't really leave much room unless you guys have any any other ideas. Uh, CSKA, Spartak, Tim, you want a, you want a World Cup winner in your team? Oh, well, I have. I'm curious that you're talking about Lokomotiv because in Russia, CSKA and Dynamo were mentioned because Andre Shurli is uh, obviously a very experienced player, uh, but um, Dynamo has a little bit of money right now. They have the investment, and that's why it, uh, the link was connected. Spartak is specifically l- looking for a player in that number 10 attacking a midfielder position. So that's why it was. But uh, speaking again about speculation at transfer, it looks like Spartak wrapped up the transfer of uh, Georgis Hadji's son, Yanis Hadji. So Spartak, I think, because of that reason, is out of the speculation about Andres Shurli. So I think um, if if he ends up in Russia, it will be either Lokomotiv, like you said. I haven't heard anything about that, but it makes sense because they're still not sure if uh, Fernandes will stay in the team and slightly different position, but again, a key player in the attack. Or I heard about Dynamo, so I'm curious. I, to be honest, I don't think Andres Shurli will go to Russia. I think he, he has bigger fish to fry, but I don't know. Who knows? Maybe he'll end up in Ural or Timin. Andre, what do you think? <laughs> well, he'll have to he'll have to come on trial if he wants to earn the right to grace the Giolog pitch. But, um, yeah, I, I, th- I think even he might draw a line that, um, even though it would be a great honour, of course, to bring on the, pull on the famous white and black Tumen shirt. Um, I've given up hope of that already. Um, I think I've got a better chance of playing for Tumen. Um my my creative midfield days are way behind me, but I could still do a job. Um, but no, I, I, in all seriousness, with Schuller, I think Lokomotiv makes the most logical sense. Dynamo, purely for their, well, I wouldn't say newfound wealth, but slightly increased um, ambition, should we say. Um, it, you can't rule them out. But they've made, I think, an excellent signing in Sebastian Szymanski. Yeah. I believe he's broken the outgoing record from the Polish league and uh, Liverpool were very close to signing him last last summer. I believe there were work permit issues because uh, they're slightly stricter in England than some countries and uh, in the end they, they backed out of the deal. But now, you know, they're getting a, a young Polish player who is, well, practically starring in his home country. Um, so I think they've made their statement signing, possibly. I'd be surprised if they go one bigger. Uh, Tisco have spent all that money that you mentioned, Nikola Vlasic. Um, but above all that, Lokomotiv are in the Champions League. So if it's going to be Moscow, then Lokomotiv is the only option for next season, obviously. Um, although long term, you could see the appeal of, of Spartak. You know, if, if he's going to come to a country he's not played in before, obviously, then a club as big as Spartak is, it's got to be somebody pretty big to bring on and, I'm going to say an actual world champion. I just can't. I can't bring myself to actually admit that Herbert is, is a world champion. So I'm going to call Shirley an actual <laughs> world champion. Herbert has played um, every game, Andrew. <laughs> oh God, he did he really actually play every game. Yes. Oh, I mean, how on earth? Okay, if Joachim Low is is an absolute genius, then it, that, that's like winning the Premier League with Phil Neville in the heart of your midfield. I mean, that's just oh blimey. That, that's that's a that's a level of genius nobody else can touch I think, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah it'll be it'll be fun to have such a high profile player in Russia but I think my gut instinct is with Tim on this one I doubt he'll actually come. Well, apparently, um, because... apparently it's been decided internally with his family. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? 
Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Well, I mean, I, I, I'm, I don't know the Bundesliga like you do, man. Of course, um, I'm, I'm surprised. I thought he was having a good season um, last season in Dortmund. I, uh, and I'm surprised. But he was at unknown in Fulham. Oh God, he was at Fulham, wasn't he? Blimey, God, Fulham was such a dreadful side. I've forgotten they existed. Um, yeah, well, there you go. That, um, actually, on second thoughts, I'll backtrack completely. I'm um, <laughs> myself a bit there. So, yes, he's definitely coming to Russia. <laughs> I, 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 th I think Loco. I'll do Dinamo. I actually thought Dinamo is a good shout because of uh, Kevin Kurani. Right? Oh. That's, um, and if they have money, I guess their financial fair play issues uh, have been resolved. Uh, that uh, That's gone now with the... Uh, The last few years and all that have passed down the water and so on. Uh, FFP problems floating down the Moskva. Um, yeah. Mano, I wanted to ask you, uh, to tell you about the new Russian, uh, sorry, the new German link which Spartak has now. We have a new, I don't know how we call it, technical director or like the person pretty much who is kind of running the club and running, running all the transfers. He is of a German descent. His name is Thomas Zorn. And he used to, he used to be live in, in Germany and he used to, his job was to organize different, you know, training caps uh, around the Europe for, for Russian clubs because he has the Russian link. But now we started getting those links to Bundesliga players. We just signed a player from, uh, Wolfsburg 2. His name is Badu, uh, a very young, um, kind of right left back who is very athletic. So we started getting because Thomas Son he also owns and um, and I think it's a scouting agency or like in the actual you know like mm. the proper football age book like agency. So we started getting those links uh, from from him and so I'm curious if there was any maybe. word of, on the on him and in, in Germany and maybe that's the link with uh, yeah, uh, surely. I I've heard of this as well. Where, you know that that would kind of explain because like we. Hübelis, of course, ended up at Loco because of Stoffel's house, right? Exactly. Right. Um, I know that there is there was a young uh, German left back who plays for 1860 in the in the third division, who has um, you know whose family they're all got Germans, and therefore he has like you know they could dust up a Russian passport um, for him and um, you know make him make him eligible as like a Russian national. Um, he was linked to. Moscow-based club, and I assume now that that it was probably Spartak. Um, he's he's ended up staying, but you know you get those links, sporting directors, technical directors, especially the ones that used to be agents or still are agents, like exactly. as many of their clients as possible. The club, it's always healthy. Uh, yeah, <laughs> so. yeah. So there's Thomas Son. He is also agent of uh, Elmir Nebiulin, I believe. So mm. we were all like just fear that uh, the Nebulin will follow his uh, his agent, but so far luckily he is he's in Sochi. But yeah, like this uh, this uh, German player uh, from Badu from Wolfsburg too. He actually I thought he was just like a trial, and I thought it will be maybe a trial, and he might maybe end up at Spartak too. But he was signed for the first team. Uh, he will be balancing between the Spartak two and the the main team. So 
Um, I'm curious to see what what the hell will will happen, and maybe there will have more um, Bundesliga links. Uh, we just need to probably off um, off the episode. Maybe we should go through the his agency and see which players he has uh, and which have uh, Bundesliga ties, and then maybe we can start following them, and then you can see uh, hear some news uh, from Bundesliga. Yeah, I, I always love like going to agencies and just see like, okay, what are the links? Uh, we of course exactly. we have like both. We, we, you can use Transfermarkt for this, but we also we scout where you can see all the links um, of different agents. So it will be interesting to track that. Um, but you know, transfers. It's funny to talk about transfers on July 9th when the window has just opened eight days ago, right? <laughs> we had the same thing on the, the Game Pressing podcast where we chatted about transfers and a lot of the clubs were already done. And we're like, well, it actually really just opened eight days ago. So uh, it's kind of odd. And the Russian Premier League starts so so soon um, after the transfer window opens, which makes it really awkward because the teams are changing so much. The teams are really changing until until Christmas when when they really start doing their business. And I always thought it was such an oddity about the league. But let's talk about the league. Um, the league starts this weekend. So to start the league, um, Andrew, you wrote a preview for this, the Russian Super Cup. And it went actually yeah. to, went actually to Loco. Um, you know, your favorite trophy. I saw, <laughs> saw pictures of people drinking out of it. Um, it's it's a bit of an awkward cup to drink out of, but I guess you have lots of room uh, to put your lips on. Yeah, it's um, they didn't think of the celebratory drink out of it, I admit. Um, but uh, I tell you what, um, curtain as curtain raises go, I thought it was an absolutely sensational game. It was brilliant. Um, Loco and Zanit both were very fast paced, strangely fast paced for what is effectively a preseason game. I mean, I, I, it's a great to have a showcase. Uh, event, um, but Sada Asmund looks um, looks in seriously sharp form. Looked like he'd barely been away. Um, he his second goal in particular was brilliant. Um, the new fella at Lokomotiv, Murilo Sequeira, the Brazilian centre back, he actually had a very good game. He was marking Asmund, but Asmund sort of span around him. He dragged the ball back on the outside of his foot. Um, six yards out and scored. That was brilliant. Miran Chuk scored two instinctive goals. Um, and I, I have to say, I was surprised because the Neat were dominating for the first part of the game, but Loco's first choice 11, I would argue, could challenge the Neat. The problem is they don't quite have the depth in their squad at the moment, I don't believe. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a fantastic game. Uh, in the VTB arena, the very quickly built, uh, home of Dynamo Moscow, that uh, was almost built about three years ago when we visited Manu. Um, finally, it's opened. Um, it does look it does look absolutely brilliant, and I'm looking forward to going. I'll be going at some point this season, and I'll get some football grab pictures up there. Um, but Super Cup, great way to open the season, um, and uh, yeah, hopefully a lot of goals this weekend. What are you talking about? It's done quickly. <laughs> this is like totally within the time frame. <laughs> well, uh, yes, I think the, um, I think the original deal that was loosely struck with the Moscow clubs, if I understand correctly, um, eight, eight, nine years ago when the World Cup was awarded to Russia, yeah. right? We need another World Cup stadium. Who can build it first? You'll get a World Cup stadium. Um, Dynamo dragged the heels, and uh, and it just looked like they'd given up, didn't it? 
Mm. Um, they put their fans through. I mean, this is how much the leadership of Dynamo Moscow need to be punished. They put their fans through a needless five or six years of going to Himki. I mean, that's how little they care about their own fans. Yeah, um, I think we have to have another <laughs> Dynamo Moscow special soon. Um, there's not <laughs> enough time on this podcast to discuss all of this. <laughs> we, we don't want to go down that rabbit hole. Just I, I am smelling... Uh, them like having title ambitions and spending big money again only to go bust within the next four years uh that that's my my prediction early on uh so uh speaking of predictions yeah i'm I'm looking at the fixtures right now and I, i feel like we should we should look at the fixtures and then like talk about some of these teams and where they could end up this season uh so the season kicks off with arsenal against dinamo Ural against Ufa, Spartak against Sochi. So, um, Tim, yeah, that, that's going to be interesting to see that, that new team in action, right? Uh-huh. Ro- Rostov against Orenburg, Samara against Ceska Moscow, Senit against Tampov. Oh man, I, I smell murder. Um, unless that Armenian, <laughs> Armenian, uh, Senegalese striker that they uncovered in <laughs> Erevan is an amazing forward. Uh, they're going to be absolutely destroyed. Um, yeah, that, that's going to be, that's going to be rough. Ahmad against Krasnodar and then Loku against Ruben. Um, predictions. You know, we do this every year, except for Andrew, we all fall on our faces because we're wrong. Um, <laughs> ch- champ- champion, Champions League, Europe, relegation. Ah, boys, let's, let's do this sort of by committee. Uh, I think this year... Champion has to be Sunit. Um, you know, they, they did some really serious business and I, I guess they're probably not going to be quite done with their business and have the money and the argument and have a really easy start. I mean, really against Tampov to start the season? Uh, I'm curious to hear you guys' opinions on that. Tim. Um, I agree with you. Zenit will be the champion. They have all the, they have a very strong squad. They have uh, all the, you know, upstairs. They have everything uh, settled for them. Uh, I think Zenit will win the league. Um, the only thing is that um, they're very excited about going back to Champions League. And that might be a distraction in case they uh, qualify for playoff or qualify, uh, become third and still play the uh, Europa League. Uh, that, I think, might be the only um, kind of thing which might distract them uh, from winning the league. Otherwise, I think Zenit will be the champion. I really want, I would really want it to, you know, for example, a team like Krasnodar to to be challenging for the league. But uh, like I mentioned before, I think those four injuries really won't allow them to do that. And other clubs, I don't know, the only club which I see potentially challenging is CSKA and Lokomotiv. But I think Zenit has just a little bit more depth. Andrew, what do you think? I mean, you already kind of hinted at Lokomotiv a little bit, and I, I would agree with you because, boy, do they play boring football, but boy, is it <laughs> also effective. Yeah, that's that's the that's the balance you've got to strike, really, when you're watching Lokomotiv. You know what? Um, I uh, Watching that Super Cup, and I we knew before the Super Cup that there was going to be a lot more pressure on um, Rifat Jamaletdinov because now that they have... Well, now that Manuel Fernandez is no longer there, um, he's really got to step up to the plate. I think he's got the talent. I don't think he's got the long-term temperament. 
on their day, their starting 11, if everybody is fit, is as good as anybody's. But I just don't think they've got the squad to cope. Not in terms of numbers, just in terms of quality. Um, Zanit, for, yeah, I, it's, it's not original, but there's a reason why it's not original. Zanit really are um, the strongest side. The winter transfer window, I'm going to say it again, the winter transfer window they had beginning of this year, bringing in Yaroslav Rakitsky in defence, Wilmot Barrios in midfield, and Asmoon up front. I would say is arguably the best transfer window probably any Russian club has had for a, a good five years because mm-hmm. it filled exactly the problems, solved the problems, exactly what they needed. Um, they've also trimmed their wage bill very well. Um, the Instagram specialists, Novak Tiltev and Claudio Marchisio are gone. Uh, Anyakov retired. Lodigin has gone. Polos, Nabiulin, Luis Nieto. But the one problem is, you guys haven't mentioned yet, they have lost their star player. Um, and this could be quite a problem for them. Uh, Andrei Panyakov going to Ural on a permanent transfer. They're going to miss him. Um, so uh, <laughs> oh, we're, we're going to talk about Ural when we speak about relegation candidates. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's oh, not relegation at all. No, but yeah. I, I think that you, you're quite right with the transfers, the, those three big ones, right? And then they actually added... Douglas Santos adding a really big piece. I think that's, yeah. um, you know, yeah. they strengthened that area now really well too. And it gives them a lot of tactical, tactical flexibility because as I wrote in my piece, they can now also play 3-5-2 if they wanted to. So, um, yeah, mm-hmm. tons of flexibility. Um, with with Loco, I'm really curious to see the, the Brazilian centre-back. Um, that's, that's always interesting. And then um, with Tesca, yeah, uh, th- you know, you almost wonder with Rodrigo Bichau, there's been some rumors he's gone to Italy. Um, what's the latest on him, um, Andrew? Is no, he going to stay? Yeah, he's gone. He's gone, yeah. Bichau uh, is gone, yeah. It's, a, it's a, a shame, really, loss. this, because my, my understanding was that Tisca simply just couldn't offer him enough money and his advisors were demanding quite ludicrous amounts. And he had a very, very good season um, at Tisca. But when you see the transfer fee, it was, as far as I understand, it was rumoured to be only about 3 million euros or 4 million euros or something along those lines. It was a, it's one of those bizarre sort of split ownership deals where yeah. one club got 1.4 million, but the total fee was only about 4 million. Um, and when you see them spending 15 on Nikola Vlasic, you think, God, if only they could have kept Bacal and their defence would have been very settled. Um, but, it's they've replaced him in a way with uh, this young Croatian defender. I don't know much about the man except that he claims he's being compared to the Beretzutsky twins, which is rather a bold shout considering he's not played one minute of football in this country and he's only 22 years old. But Zvonimir Salia um, mm. on loan, but scouting has been brilliant. So, Tim, you've seen him. Yeah, I've seen Charlie play that uh, against Spartak at the uh, the match Premier Cup. Uh, he, I think he will he will do well. He is massive. He is very very big, and I think he is one of those um, you know defenders which will you know this guy they have a good eye for for the players like him. He you know he obviously young. He has lots of work to do, but I think Tiska and especially Gajirenka are good at developing players. Mm-hmm. And he's just physical condition. So just he's just a giant. Like a very like not like tall. He's just like big, and mm, I think uh, I I was impressed. So we'll we'll see obviously how he does because he's young and you know 
of thing in the Russian league is different, but I think he has all the potential to becoming, you know, a, a good center back for CSKA. So where do we put CSKA? Because like when I look at Champions League, for me right now, I look at Lokomotiv and Krasnodar again. But could CSKA, with the players that they have and the big investment that they made in Flasic, and I assume they're not quite done because they probably need another striker as well, right? Where do we put them? Do we put them into Europe? Or are they going to challenge for the Champions League? Tim, what do you think? I think I think I agree with you that uh, I think the three clubs which will be trying to get those two Champions League clubs are Krasnodar, Lokomotiv, and CSKA, and that I think it will just come down to um, their squad depth and how they will do in Europe and how much uh, destruction Europe will be uh, from the league. So um, I would say that Krasnodar uh, will make the Champions League, and I think CSKA. So that's my prediction. So Zenit champion CSKA and Krasnodar for the second and third place. So CSKA topping out Lokomotiv. What do you think, Andrew? Uh, actually, I, I do just about go along with Tim on that. Um, I I love watching Tiska's team at the moment. The 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 youngsters that they've managed to bring in, and not just the youngsters, but with the right mentality, they all pull together. And they, they you don't have any passengers in that team. I I think they have a slightly deeper squad um, in terms of genuine first team quality um, than than Locomotive do. So. I know Siemen, like you mentioned earlier, is the master grinding out mm. results. They, I believe, in the last two seasons, they have been drawing at half time in something like two thirds of their games. They, they always basically grind down the opposition, and they have the quality in you know, the Miran Chuk brothers, for example, um, Fyodor Smolov up front. But one or two of them get injured, and I'd be concerned about their form. Whereas with Tezka, if they have one or two injuries, They've got even the likes of uh, Takuma Nishimura. He was very, very lively when he came off the bench. Yep. He's got another season under his belt. I just think they've got a bit more depth. So I would go along with that order of teams. I'd go Zenit first, Krasadar second, and Tesco into the Champions League qualifiers. Tesco also have the best coach in the league, in my opinion. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to stick with that every year. Goncharenko is for me the best coach in Russia. Um, so that I mean, he, he, he made, he made his name. He made his name in Yekaterinburg, that's why, with ah. Ural, you see. So that's, that's the reason. <laughs> um, that, that gets us to mean general Europe, um, Tim, and, and that also allows us to talk a little bit about your club because I reckon Spartak will be back in the Europa League next year as well. Lost C. Luis um, off to Portugal, and they replaced him with a player that we know quite well because we've done quite a bit of Greek football in Ezekiel mm -hmm. Ponce, and I actually did an article on him as well on footballgrad.com, an exciting striker who played for AIC, um, owned by Roma, and I spoke to um, John Solano, who does the Roma Press podcast, a fantastic guy, um, really nice guy, knows Italian football like the back of his hand. Um, so I cannot highly, cannot more highly recommend his podcast or anything that he does. He does a Serie A podcast as well, which is just fantastic. And I spoke to him about it, and he says like Ezequiel Ponce really deserved a chance at Roma, but didn't get it. Um, never really quite worked out, mostly because of an injury. So he actually thinks that's a really, really good signing. Is that the signing? Because it seems like even though you had good strikers, you never had that 15-goal guaranteed striker in the lineup or hadn't had someone like him in a while. Do you think that will be the, the missing piece in this lineup? 
Well, we had promise, but promise obviously left now to uh, add some stuff down. But um, to be quite honest, I've seen him three times upon the plane for Spartak. I wasn't impressed at all. He did nothing, absolutely nothing. But he's out of form, like it's it's kind of expected. As of right now, I'm a little bit suspicious of this transfer because uh, it's um, kind of like for like a uh, substitute for Zeluish, who was adapted in Moscow, who has a Russian girlfriend who speaks Russian and who really liked and enjoyed his life in Moscow. And he, because of his height and because of his amazing jumping ability, he not only uh, helped a lot in attack, but he also helped a lot with set pieces and corners. And he was the the, the player who really, really helped us. Ponce doesn't provide that. Uh, at all because like he's just because just he's just a different uh, shape of player uh he is the player who plays in kind of in, in 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 the box from what i understand i don't i haven't seen him play much i've only seen a couple eye games uh so i'm not sure yet i really want obviously him to be but um i don't i don't really understand uh how the team will play but he will definitely get his chances because uh, it will be between him and Luis Adriano. Luis Adriano is known for, for his um, uh, kind of changes of mood, and sometimes he really wants to play, and he's brilliant, and sometimes he uh, doesn't want to play. He found a new, absolutely gorgeous uh, Russian girlfriend. He is in love right now, so he is. I hope that will help him to play, but uh, I'm, I'm I'm not so optimistic uh, because of Ponzi, not because I, you know, I, I I'm against him, but just. I don't. I haven't seen enough from those three games. But like I said, he's definitely out of form. He is like out of physical condition. He, I don't know he, what he was doing preseason, but he um, doesn't look any like he did, didn't contribute in three games. Absolutely nothing. So I think he will need some time to to adjust, and I think we can really judge him uh, probably by the end of this year, but most likely uh, next year. Um, yeah, so we'll see. And going back to predictions, I think that Spartak will. Uh, the club is going through a massive transition. Uh, our lots of players are gone. For example, the captain Genius Glushakov is gone. Uh, Dmitry Kambarov, uh, Salvatore Bacchetti. So lots of experienced players left the club because the club is going through another transition. They bought a whole bunch of uh, youngsters and they are trying to build a brand new team of youngsters. And uh, that's why Alek Kononov stayed as a coach because apparently he is uh, good at developing young players. We will see. But I think because of that whole transition, which I just mentioned, Spartak at best uh, will make it to Europa League, uh, fourth or fifth place, uh, depending how Dynamo, depending how other clubs uh, will do how Arsenal will do and a few other clubs, but um, I don't see, I don't expect anything good from the season from Spartak. At best, sometime, uh, somewhere around the uh, Europa League spot. Can you just hear the confidence there, Andrew? <laughs> Would you believe it? If, if, if Tim didn't mention the name Spartak or any of the names of the players, just from the tone of his voice, you'd still know he's a Spartak fan. Um, but, <laughs> yeah. Tim, to be fair, Tim, you, you've, you've been through a lifetime of this. You you know not to be naive. And I actually would like to give you a little bit of, of a confidence boost because I think, I think yes, I agree with what you're saying about Ponce. I would have preferred, if you'd given me the choice, of Zé-Louis staying if I was a Spartak fan compared to, to swapping him for Ponce because he and Luis Adriano, when they played together, were arguably up there with um, Asmun and Zuba as the most threatening strike partnership, I'd say. Mm -hmm. But anyhow, it's, it's, what's done is done. Ponce is clearly quality. It might lead to a slightly different style, possibly a slightly different shape even. 
perhaps he'll play slightly behind mm. Lucas Adriano. Who knows? But what I'd say is the nearest challengers to Spartak, I think, are are all weaker. Arsenal Tula have lost, I would argue, their four best players on loan. Um, they've not really replaced them with the same quality. Ollenberger, I, I, well, we'll come to this later. I actually am going to tip Ollenberg for relegation this season. I think they're an absolute mess in free fall. Um, Rostov will be probably, I would say Rostov and Dinamo Moscow would be your two nearest challengers. And I think you've got far more quality um, than those two. So on that basis, I do think Spartak are certainly should be aiming for a, a minimum fifth place. Um, and you, you never know, a good run of form, a couple of injuries to Krasadar, Tiska, who knows. But I think Spartak is safe in fifth. Yeah, maybe to give you a little bit of optimism, Tim, um, <laughs> Ponce scored 40% of Ajax goals last year. You know, so he does know, he does know where the goal is. Um, 16 goals and four assists in 27 games in Greece. The thing maybe that should give you a little bit of, uh, you know, should worry maybe a few people is that he didn't score in the Champions League at all. But, um, he is actually more effective in the air than either C. Luis or Luis Adriano. Really? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Uh-huh. 0.19 goals per 90 minutes from with headers. C. Luis is at 0. 1, uh, 0.13 and Luis Adriano is 0.13 as well. Um, would mean uh-huh. the second most effective player in the Russian Premier League with headers if, if he translates his numbers from Greece um, after Sada Asmun. Wow, that's not surprise about Sander Asman. Yeah, like like Andrew called him last season the best uh, header of the ball in Europe. I think is that correct, Andrew? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Asmund, I, I right? Yeah. Anyways, just just a little bit of optimism, uh, boys. Thanks. We, <laughs> we need we need to move on to relegation candidates. Uh, we only have four minutes left. Um, thankfully, one candidate for me is quite easy. It's going to be Tampov going straight back down. Uh, so done and dusted that one that one is solved uh that only leaves us with one straight down um andrew you already leaned out of the window and you named orenburg it's probably not a bad yeah. shout when i when i look at what they've done this this winter uh at the summer sorry um not mm. a lot um really Most well i mean it's it's the it, it, i think the most concerning thing for me is is they they clearly is a complete either a complete breakdown of trust or communication or funding or a mixture of all three. Um, and Orenberg has always been one of those sides, even when they're in the second tier, where everybody thought, well, they've got the backing of Gazprom subsidiary, they'll be fine. The fact that they've lost they've lost all these players, not replaced one, the manager didn't know what was going on with a player. He even gave an interview three days ago saying, well, Sultamin's gone to Rubin, good luck to him, didn't know what was going on. Um I, th- I think they're an absolute mess, so, and their they ground only holds about five thousand people. Yeah. I don't know how they manage to get special dispensations playing the Premier League in it, but um, so really, I, I can't see a way out for them unless because you know it's not. It doesn't seem like it's just slow progress. It seems like there's a complete change. Um, that's what concerns me. So for me, Ollenberg and 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 Tambov, I agree with you on that one. Uh, they're my favourites for automatic relegation. What do we make of Sochi, Tim? I mean, they basically signed everyone from Zenit. Who... <laughs> Did Zenit just basically send everyone who was unwanted to the sanatorium? 
<laughs> for, 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 for vacation. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good shout, Mara. This is a good, that's a good joke for uh, yeah, describing their relationship. But yeah, exactly. This is kind of what happened. <laughs> they, yeah, they got Dmitry Polos, Ibrahim uh, Tsalagov, yeah, yeah. Ivan Novoselsev. This is, yeah, this is like pretty much uh, lots of Zenit players who were enjoying the time on the bench. Now they can enjoy time in the Sanatorium. Interesting. Uh, but it seems like, you know, that um, I don't think Sochi, because of just like a few experienced players, uh, which they got, I think that, you know, I don't think they will be obviously striking for gold, but uh, I think they should be fine. Um, um, I have the I have the feeling that they might be somewhere balancing around the relegation playoff and the safety. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I we we will have to see because it's a completely um interesting uh story. Obviously, like they just a new founded club which was transferred from Saint Petersburg to Dynamo Saint Petersburg, and uh, our friend Sal yeah told wrote an article about that and um, he wasn't very excited about this move but yeah that's a new club from transferred from St. Petersburg to Sochi uh, to play on a World Cup stadium and Olympic stadium and now they finally made it to the uh, Russian Premier League it's a very unknown team we don't know much about them except those a few transfer which uh, arrived and it's pretty much impossible to expect uh, how they do but I think that Orenburg and Tambov on paper, like uh, Chris Williams said in the last gig in passing post podcast, that football is not played on paper. But if you take a look at the squads, I think that Tambov and Orenburg are way below uh, Sochi because of lack of that experience. And I think that will be the key point. And uh, I don't know. Uh, I, that's, that's, my, that's my shout. Yeah, I think we pretty much agree with almost everything uh, this week. Um, it's kind of yeah, it's funny, yeah. It's kind of refreshing. Uh, we'll see. We'll, we'll see how that goes in the until the end of the season. Um, and of course, how how it will all look? Um, you know, maybe for me, it's it's just funny that um, Sochi, a club from Saint Petersburg, is signing all these players from Saint Petersburg. Um, <laughs> this, this, oh, what a link, huh? Yeah, surprising. It's, uh, it's something in that, but you know, basically, and, I, and this is this is maybe my final point. But you look at Salagov, right? Two million euros. Nabiulin, three million euros. Novotels have one million. Dimitri Polos worth four million. So this is this is how much they're worth according to transfer mark. You can't see any of the other promotions, or any other promoted side, getting exactly. players like that. I mean, when you look at Tambov. <laughs> <laughs> um, they they signed a bunch of players from Anji, and then they signed uh, players from Erevan, um, Punic Erevan, on free deals that are worth a couple hundred thousands. So it's well, guys, just one one last word from me actually on Tambov, just to stand up for them. They they do have two fantastic players. Um, one is the greatest player of all time, Here and the go. other. Yeah, and then like you guys, come on! I couldn't let a, a football grab podcast go without you know a worship of Lord Mantov. Um, I mean, he's about thirty nine. No, he's not. Actually, he's about thirty five <laughs> at the moment. But um, in, in all seriousness, Daniel Klonkin in midfield. I don't think Tambov will survive, but keep your eye on him because he he went to Orenburg a couple of seasons ago and didn't quite make it into the side. And I think that Tambov will actually get a chance to shine because he's been one of their key creators. He's a really seriously intelligent and quick passer of the ball. I know I joke about Chimen, but he really, he really is a, a top-class player, and this will be an interesting season for him because if he does well, which I think he will do, 
Um, should Tamworth might have an interesting player on their hands there. So I still think they'll go down, but um, they'll go down fighting. I think that the the uh, third-party ownership strikers signed from Punic Ayrvan, uh, Mohamed Konate and Usman Mohamed, they're going to they're going to save Tamworth. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, absolutely. Get you know, I, I agree with you on Mohamed Kanati because uh, he was on trial at Oral for, for half a season. So, yes, another sign of quality. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, that, that's a good way, good time to wrap it up. Uh, I think, Andrew, the best thing coming out for you on this one is that we didn't mention Oral once for the relegation. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm quite pleased. I'm still wiping my, my, my barrel at the moment because I thought we get to the relegation back at all and you guys will be all over it. But... Um, don't worry, Oral will be fine. We're not looking quite as strong as last season, but the transfer window is okay, so don't worry. Don't There's worry. definitely be... four clubs in the league that are worse. So, um, yeah. yeah, that's what I'm thinking on too. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, guys, that pretty much wraps it up. I'm happy we're back out of the uh, summer break, um, even though summer feels like it's just getting started. As the sun breaks through the clouds, the sunshine has arrived. Yeah, uh, that's wonderful. I'm going to probably spend the rest of the day on the beach, Andrew, um, just to let you know. Um, anyhow, oh, go away. <laughs> anyhow, I know it's your birthday tomorrow and you're going to celebrate with lots of shashlik, so you don't really have too much to complain, to be quite frank. Um, other yeah. than eating lots of shashlik and celebration, celebrating your birthday, what's going on in your life? What do you want to plug? Where can people find you? Well, I'll be doing... Yeah, doing more content for Football Grad as usual. Um, I might try and do a slightly more regular update on the Russian League uh, on com this season. Um, but uh, there is a very exciting plan in the Pipeworks. I'm not going to name it just yet because it's not quite confirmed. But um, it will be announced on the Football Grad podcast first if it comes about. That's all I can say for now. But it will be very, very exciting. Or oh, the anticipation. Anyhow, uh, Tim, how about you? Well, it seems like every time you ask me questions, I have some kind of musical event to to plug in, and this is not uh, different. I'm doing a, a local festival, which I do every year. This time it's going to be four days, 25 local bands, and as you can imagine, it's a lot of work because I do everything by myself. I didn't get the government grant, which is popular in Canadian music scene, so I'm doing everything DIY, so it's quite a bit of work. So Rocket from Russia Fest, if you for some reason in Vancouver, July 18th to 21st at the Weiss Hall, you can attend that. Uh, but obviously I'm very excited for the beginning of the season. Um, the European game starts very soon, so we will we'll see. We will see and obviously I'll be happy to report and to discuss everything what happens in RPL on Football God Podcast. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll be back on our regular schedule. Um, I, yeah, what do I have to plug? The Football Grad Network uh, has been basically not taking much of a of a break. We've discussed lots of transfers on, on all our pages. Um, also, great Cuba America coverage by Ralph Hanna over on Football Cidage. So those articles are all still up if you want to read back on that tournament. And then um, I myself, I'm also covering the International Champions Cup for the International Champions Cup this summer and um, also keep up with my Major League Soccer coverage for the Vancouver Whitecaps. So that can be found on prosoccerusa.com and you can follow me at Manuel Weff. Well, that's it from this week. Until next week, das Vidanje.
Imagine if you could dry, detangle, style, and volumize your hair all in one step. Well, it's easy with the Not Doctor All-in-One Dryer Brush by Conair. Create beautiful blowout styles at home with a powerful 1,000-watt motor for quick drying and Easy Glide Flexalite bristles for snag-free detangling. Customize styling with three heat settings and use the Cool Shot to lock in your look. Ionic technology reduces frizz, bonus attachment volumizes your hair, makes a great gift for yourself or someone special. Go to Conair.com for the Not Doctor All-in-One Dryer Brush now. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.